we'll continue our study that we've been going through here on Sunday nights through 2 Samuel chapter 22. The name of the message is delivered by God, kept by God. Delivered by God, kept by God. 2 Samuel chapter 22. We'll read verses 30, or 27 to 39 tonight. 27 to 39. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. In the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee have I run through a troop, By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power. and He maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and destroyed them and turned not again until I had consumed them. And I have consumed them and wounded them, that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet. Now, last week we looked at verses 27 to 31, where we considered that we are only pure in the eyes of God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way for us to be pure. And, and we considered that all our acceptance with God comes in and through Christ and Christ alone. No other way. No other way. Outside of Christ, there's no acceptance by God. And and in the ark itself, we have a picture, don't we? Because all who were in the ark were safe. But all outside of the ark perished. Perished. Well, it's the same. All outside of Christ will perish in their sins. All in Christ shall be saved, just as Noah and his family were safe in the ark. We also considered the wicked's end. We considered the wicked's end. That if the, and, and think of this, too. We know their end. But think of this. If the Lord should mark iniquity, who shall stand? No one. No one. So that magnifies even more than the mercy and the grace that we've received in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because if the Lord marked iniquity, we'd all perish. But praise be to God that his people are forgiven in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we considered that God's people are an afflicted people. We suffer. We suffer affliction from the world, and we we suffer sometimes more affliction from religious people, from religious people, who would see to rob us of of the peace that we have in Christ Jesus, the one who is the perfect sacrifice. And how do, they, how do religious people rob or try to rob you of the peace and joy that you have in Christ? Well, by telling you, you've got to do something to be saved. No. Our salvation is complete and whole in Jesus Christ our Lord. And what joy that gives the believer. What peace that gives the believer. To know that all our peace with God comes in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, in Him alone. And it is He, it is He and in Him that we have the perfect sin-atoning sacrifice because He's the sinless one. And it's His precious blood that cleanses us from all sin, beloved. All sin. So that our faith is in Him. And our faith, our trust for our eternal souls is in the one who completed the work in our place. Who did that which is impossible for you and I to do. 
We can't save ourselves, let alone we can't save anyone else either. But we look to the one who saved us from all our sins. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. We also consider how the wicked prosper in this world. We look in this world and we see the wicked prosper. But we know their end, beloved. We know their end. We know that one day they'll be bought down. If they are left in their sins, they'll be bought down. Bought down. And then we considered how the Lord himself is a lamp to us. He's a light unto our path. He's the light of the world, we know the scripture says. And his word, though, is a lamp unto our feet, isn't it? In it we find instruction and guidance. And what does the word of God do? It points us right to Christ. It points us right to Christ, who is, who is our light. And it's he who has lighted our darkness, isn't it? We were in the darkness of sin. And we didn't even know we were in that. Last week I had mentioned how, how sometimes you get up in the middle of the night and it's so dark and you're walking around, next thing you know you bump into something or you're stumbling around trying to get a light on or something. My, there's nothing worse, is there? That's how we were in our natural state. We were groping around in the dark, beloved. We had no idea. We had no idea that we even were groping around. We couldn't see nothing. We couldn't see God, who he is. We couldn't see Christ. We, I like what Brother Neil said today. That was spectacular, brother, what you said to me on the way out. Brother Neil said, he said, you can't keep a Christian from church, a true believer from church, and, and you can't get an unbeliever hardly in the door. <laughs> Unless God makes them willing, eh? And then they're coming. But other than that, it's so true. Because God's people, we want to hear the gospel. We desire to hear the gospel. But, but we only understand it as we saw today, this morning, because God the Holy Spirit has illuminated us. Or regenerated us, where the scriptures are now illuminated, where before we didn't even understand them. We may have read them, but we didn't understand them. Now, oh my goodness, this is a wonderful book. Absolutely wonderful book. So, it's he who is a lamp unto our feet. It's he who has lightened the darkness of, of our natural state. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And now the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. All truth, which we know, again, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we considered how the Lord has delivered us in various circumstances in our lives, constantly being delivered. We're constantly being delivered. You know, we can look back, and I know I say that all the time, but it's good for us to look back, and because we can reflect now that we're out of that storm. Usually when you're in a storm, you're, you're just thinking, how am I going to get out of this storm? Right? Or this trial, or... But we can look back and go, look what the Lord has done. It's amazing. Vicki and I have talked many times about through the years of how you just see his sovereign hand at work carrying you right through things. At the time we didn't see it, but oh my, we see it now. We see it now. And I know you all have seen it in your lives too as believers. My. And then we considered how the Lord has triumphed over all our enemies. Praise be to God. He's triumphed over all our enemies. It is he who has conquered Satan. It's he who has conquered our sins too, isn't he? He paid everything that was demanded for them. My. Our sins were against us. He paid for everything. The law of God was against us. He satisfied. The justice of God was against us. He satisfied that too. He fully honored the law of God in our place. And then he conquered death too, didn't he? He's raised from the dead for our justification. Where we will and we'll be there one day with him. Then we considered how God's way is perfect. And the way there is singular. Singular. His way is perfect. Which ties in with the scripture in the New Testament which say, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Then we considered how Christ is a shield, a buckler, which is a small shield. He's a shield. 
But he's not just a small shield, is he? No, he's, he's everything to us. He's everything to us. He's a shield for his people, for all who trust in him. Ancient armies used a buckler in defense or for protection in battles, and that's what he is for us. And he alone is our sheep, or our shield, he alone. Now let's consider verse 32 tonight. It says, for who is our God, save the Lord? And who is a rock, save our God? Now David brings forth this question, set forth, who is God, save the Lord, which is Jehovah in the Hebrew, which is a self-existent one. Who is God, save Jehovah? And who is a rock, save our God, which is Elohim? Well, there are no other gods beside our God, is there? Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 10. There's no other God, God beside our God. Jehovah is the one true God. All other gods are little G's. And our God is God. He's God. He's the one true God. And beside Him, there's none like Him. And we believe that, don't we? Because He's revealed Himself to us. He's revealed Himself to us. Praise be to His name. He's revealed Himself to us. The one true God has manifested Himself to us through the preaching of the gospel. God speaks to His people through the Word, doesn't He? Not in dreams and visions and all this other stuff that people say they do and have. No, He speaks to His people through the Word. Through the Word of God. Oh my. There's none like Him. Now look at this in Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, none. O Lord, Jeremiah 10, 6, for as much as there is none like unto thee, what a statement, there's none. O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. He's Jehovah. Jehovah means the self-existent one who needs nothing or nobody, beloved. He has no rivals. None at all. Look at that. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? Well, what the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right? Look at that. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 7. Who would not fear thee? Look at, look at the title. O King of nations. This speaks of his absolute sovereignty, doesn't it? Over everything. For to thee doth it, doth it appertain, for as much as among the wise men of the nations in all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. None. Absolutely none. Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. None like him. Now, there are many called gods, little g, who are not by nature gods. They are fictitious. They are fictitious. They are idols of the Gentiles. Remember this morning we saw how God had turned the Gentile believers at at Thessalonica from idols to serve the living God? These idols that the Gentiles made, they're made of gold and silver and brass and wood and stone. But beloved, there's only one true God. There's only one true God. And David proclaims who he is in our text. He's the Lord. He's Jehovah. The eternal one. In the Hebrew, it means the eternal one, the self-existent one. That's who our God is. That's who our Savior is. In wonder of wonders, 
The Word of God, Jehovah, became a man and dwelt among us to save his people from their sins. And our great God, Jehovah, is the great three in one. The Father is Jehovah. The Son is Jehovah. The Holy Spirit is Jehovah. All three are one God. It says this in 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Three persons of the Trinity. One God. One God. And we see then that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is is God. One. As Brother Henry Mahan brings forth, they are one in essence, one in unity, one in purpose, and one in testimony. One God. Let's go back to our text and look at David brings forth in their latter part of this verse, who, who is our rock? Save the Lord. Let's read verse 32 again. So let's read this. For who is God save Jehovah, the Lord? And who is, who is a rock save our God? Elohim, the mighty one. The mighty one. So we saw David bring forth in the first part of this verse the vanity of false gods. When he asked the question, for who is God save Jehovah? Just in that question alone, he's bringing forth the vanity of false gods. Again, little g's. And then, in the latter part of this verse, we see that David's only confidence is in our great God. He alone is the only refuge that we who are his people have. He's the only refuge. For who is God save the Lord? And the Lord is our shepherd, isn't he? He's our shepherd. He's our redeemer. Look at that. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? Keep a close eye on the mercies of God, which we will see David manifest in in his, in his life as he brings forth what the Lord has enabled him to do. And he refers all his deliverances, beloved, just as every child of God does. He refers all his deliverances, all his victories, to the will and sovereignty and goodness of God, of Jehovah. And we see that David not only dwells not only on what the Lord has enabled him to do, but again what the Lord has done for him. He dwells ever more largely on the Lord. We see this just as he has in verse 32 there. Let's read verses 33 to 39. God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. See, the emphasis is on, is on our great God. He maketh my feet like hinds places, and setteth me upon my high places. Again, it's God doing all this. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arm. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. What has God given us, beloved? The gift of faith and salvation in Christ and Christ alone. And thy gentleness hath made me great, Thou hast enlarged my steps unto me, so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and destroyed them, and turned not again until I had consumed them. And I have consumed them and wounded them, that they could not arise, yet they are fallen under my feet. Now David knows that all the victories that he's had and all the deliverances that he's had comes from God and God alone. 
All the mercy that he's received comes from God. All the grace that he's received comes from God. He knows that. And we see in these verses, he's ascribing all the glory to God. And so we see here before us just how infinitely precious the Lord is to David. And we know how we know from experience how precious he is to us, don't we? We do, from experience. Oh, he's so precious to us. Men and women who have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God and trust the Lord Jesus Christ for all their salvation, what do we do? We sing of our great Redeemer, don't we? We sing of our great Redeemer. We sing praises to God the Father. We sing praises to God the Son. We sing praises to the Holy Spirit, the, the great three in one, for all that he's done for us, for the fact that he has regenerated us, for the fact that he makes us willing in the day of his power to flee to Christ. Because we know there's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. Not in our natural state, is there? Again, the only reason you and I seek God is because God made us willing. The only reason we understand what we, what we know is because God the Holy Spirit has illuminated the Scriptures and taught us the things of Christ. Glory to his name. Glory to his name, beloved. And our God is to his people the only refuge of our souls. He's our shield. He's our protector. He's our shelter in the time of storm, isn't he? He's all that to us and more, even more. And Christ alone is the only one we trust our eternal souls to. False gods are, are, you know what false gods are, beloved? They're nothing but a refuge of lies. That's what they are. They're nothing but a refuge of lies. And on the great day of judgment, the man, the man will spend eternity in hell who put their hope and trust in false gods. Unless the Lord saves them before they pass on. But the moment they step into eternity, my, they realize they had a false refuge. It's too late then. It's too late then. Let's turn again to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's look at what the Holy Scriptures here proclaim about our great God. And then what the Scriptures proclaim about false idols made with, with man's hands. And an idol is nothing, to, to, it's something man's crafted up in their hands. They used to be, in the old days, they would take a, they would chop down a, a tree. And then they would take some of that wood and they'd, they'd use it to, to, to build a fire, to get warmth. They'd use some of it to cook the food. And then they'd keep probably the nicest part, I would think. I don't know, I don't, I've never, but they would, they would take a piece of wood and they would take it, or stone, and they would take it to the, to the craftsman, the, the idol maker, and he would, he would manufacture an idol for them. Whatever little G they wanted. Whatever little idol they wanted. And then, that same tree they cut down, or that same rock they hewn, they'd bow down to it. They'd bow down to it. And, and we can't say anything, can we? Because left in our natural state, we'd have done the same thing. But praise be to God, he's revealed himself to us, to we who are his people. Oh my. Y'all know what I came out of there. They, they used to, when I came out of there, battle statues all the time. And they have these silly little crucifix they put on doors, nothing but an idol, beloved. Nothing but an idol. That's all that is. Nothing but an idol. Oh my. Look at this in Jeremiah chapter 10. Look at this in verses 9 to 15. Silver spread into plates is bought from tarnish and gold from, from Upez, the work of the workman in the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. They are all the work of cunning men. 
But the Lord is the true God. But Jehovah is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say to them, the gods, little g again, that have not made the heavens and the earth, because what are these things? They're nothing but the creation of man, right? They come out of the idle factories of man's hearts. One grace preacher says, I like that. These idols are nothing, nothing, our hearts are, 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 they're idol factories, beloved, in our natural state. In our natural state. And we were talking after church with, with, with Sister Karen and Brother Travis and Sister Deed. And, and we were talking about how our, man, we can come up with the wildest things, can't we, in our natural state. And people bow down to all different kinds of things. They may worship money, they may worship something else, they may worship this, they may worship that. Oh my, all kinds of things. Become, anything can become an idol. Anything can become an idol. Look at this. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, they're nothing but false gods, false reverence. Even they shall perish from the earth. They're going to perish. And from under these heavens, he hath made the earth. This is Jehovah. By his power, beloved. By the word of his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. And hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. And the ancients used to, used to bow down to, to local deities and, and, and that, they, that someone crafted with their hands to pray for the weather, to pray for rain to come. But look who gives the rain. It's the great Jehovah. It's the great Jehovah. Those pieces of rock and stone couldn't do nothing. They got ears that don't hear and eyes that don't see and mouths that don't even speak. As Scripture says, they're nothing but a dumb idol. That's what they are. Look at this. When he uttered his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Now look at this. Every man is brutish in his nature. Every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his, his molten image is what? Falsehood. This is why we grace preachers say this is a refuge of lies. This is a refuge of lies. These people that are bowing down to these idols, they're bowing down to a refuge of lies. And there is no breath in them. They're not alive. They're either a piece of stone or a piece of rock or a piece of ceramic. Or just a piece of metal that hangs on the wall. Look at this. They are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. And you know what? All who trust in them will perish too. My. Aren't you thankful God's revealed himself to you? Aren't you thankful that, that our Lord is the rock of our salvation, the true God? Think of all the people, again, that go by here every day. Sunday, all kinds of folks go by here. They have no care, like Brother Neil said, no care for the things of God. And here we come. We desire to hear the word of God. We desire to hear about our great God. Tell me about Jehovah. Tell me about my Savior. Tell me about what he done for me. And then just keep telling me. Each time we gather together, let me hear about him. Who gave you that desire? Who gave you that desire? It's God who gave you that desire. 
It's God who's distinguished you from all those people out there. And that's what the Greek says when it says, who made you to differ? In the Greek, it means who distinguished you. All them folks, just like us, in our natural state, driving by. And here we are, worshiping, rejoicing in the truths of the gospel. Truly, our God has been good to us, hasn't he? Truly, our God has been merciful to us. Truly. Truly, our God has shown us grace. Showing us grace. So we see in these verses here, very strikingly in Jeremiah chapter 10, that the prophet in the Lord's name bring forth that God's divine nature and sovereignty. We saw it all through those verses there. And then he displays the folly of idols in the latter verses. The folly of idols. And again, the end of those who trust in these false gods. The idols will perish and they'll perish too. So let's go back to verse 32 then. And it says, For who is God save the Lord, which is Jehovah, and who is a rock save our God? Well, we now know the answer by looking at these scriptures, right? No one's like him. (laughs) No one. No one compares to him. There's only one true God. And that's Jehovah. Only one. All these other gods are false gods. Again, figments of man's imagination manufactured from the idol factory of man's heart. And we who are the blood-bought people of God, we, we declare with David, look what he says in verse 33, God is my strength. That's what we declare, don't we? God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. Now this part here, he maketh my way perfect, can only be said of Christ. He was perfect in the eyes of God, and this speaks of his glorious triumphs of our, as our risen Savior, our exalted Savior. It is he who has conquered our sin, and he alone is our almighty leader and commander. In Isaiah chapter 54, the scriptures declare this. Actually, let's, let's turn to Isaiah 55. It's Isaiah 55. Let's turn there quick. We'll read verses 1 to 9. And look what it declares about our our great God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Verse 1. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Speaks of man trying to earn their way to glory. Doesn't satisfy God. The only work that God has satisfied is in the work of Christ and Christ alone. Hearken diligently unto me and and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now look at this, speaking of Christ in verse 4. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. That's our Lord. He's a leader and a commander for us. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee. Well, that's true of God's elect, isn't it? Out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Who do we flee to? Christ. We shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And oh, how, is, how, it, how he's abundantly pardoned us in Christ, beloved. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is so far above us. He doesn't think like we think, and his ways are not like our ways. But Christ alone we see there in in verse 4, Christ alone is the leader of God's blood-bought people. He's the commander. And he's always guiding and directing us, beloved. And making his people more than conquerors through him. Through him. And he'll keep doing that as we go through the wilderness of this world until we see him face to face. Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 22. We'll read verses 34 and 35. It says this, He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that the bow of steel is broken by mine arms. How many times has the Lord delivered and preserved us from our trials in our lives? How many times? Countless times. How many times has the Lord delivered and preserved us through temptations and trials? And how many times has he delivered us from our enemies? Time and time and time again. Look at verse 34 again. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. Notice David gives God all the glory. He did this. God did this for his preserving grace. He did this. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon high places. God did this. And remember, David proclaims this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And then David proclaims that all his skill and use in weapons and military skill, they all come from the Lord. Look what he proclaims in verse 35. He teaches my hands to war. So that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. God's done this. Again, you've heard me say many times, all the knowledge we know comes from God. We can't boast of nothing. But Christ... We're hemmed up the boast in Christ. And we love that, don't we? <laughs> we love that. So David doesn't offer up self-praise, does he? Not at all. Not at all. He gives all the glory to God for his skills, the skills of war. And, and no sacrifice offered at the, the shrine of self will ever be, will, will ever satisfy God. He is the giver of these skills. We see that in the text here before us. Spurgeon brings forth that when it says he teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Spurgeon brings forth that a bow of brass is probably meant here and and these bows could scarcely be bent by arms alone. The archer had to gain the assistance of his foot It was therefore a great feat of strength to bend the bow so far as to even snap it in half. This is meant of the enemy's bow, which he not only snatched from his grasp, but rendered useless by breaking it in pieces. Now let us keep an eye to Christ in these verses right here. Look at verse 34. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. Let's turn to Song of Solomon chapter 2. Song of Solomon chapter 2. Christ is compared to a roe or young heart for swiftness over in Song of Solomon. And in our text there it says, He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon high places. Look at this in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. It says this, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake, and he said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. But we see here, my beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Now think of this. It's Christ who came here to this world to do the will of the Father, to do the will of God. And when did he come? At the appointed time of God. And it was he who, Hawker brings forth, made haste to do the work of God in which he took the utmost pleasure. 
And our Lord, our Lord is a very present help to his people in times of trouble, isn't he? It is Christ who is now set upon the high places, beloved. Right now. Right now. Which means the strong and fortified places. God has highly exalted him, hasn't he? He's given him a name above every name. And he's right now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. High above all his enemies. High above all his enemies. Far above all princes and principalities, beloved. And everything is subject to him, both visible and invisible. Everything. Let's look at verse 36. It says, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. Well, we all take refuge in he who is our shield, don't we? Who's our shield? Christ. Remember the whole armor of God that Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 6? That armor of God is Christ. It's Christ. And the elect of God are equipped by the armor of God. But the elect of God are equipped by, with the armor of God by who? By God. He's the one who equips us. When I was in religion, you know, they used to say, well, you need to put this on. Brother Norman and I were talking one day. He said, God already put it on us. <laughs> we're equipped in Christ. We're clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness, beloved. And we have the sword of the Spirit right here, don't we? The Word of God. We have the helmet of salvation. Who's, who's our salvation? The Lord Jesus Christ. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Who's our righteousness? And whose righteousness are we clothed in? The Lord Jesus Christ. We have the shield of faith. Who's our faith in? the Lord Jesus Christ. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Who's the gospel all about? The Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the sword of the Spirit. Who does this book tell us about? It's all about Christ, beloved. It's all about him. It's all about him. All about Christ. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. So Christ alone is our shield. And he's the only one who can quench all the fiery darts of Satan, isn't he? He's the only one. And we know faith is a gift from God. Spurgeon brings forth that, that this shield is of celestial workmanship. When it says, Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation, he says, this, is, this shield is of celestial workmanship. It's a direct gift from God himself. Our faith is in Christ. He's our shield. And it's he who has accomplished our salvation. How? By the sacrifice of himself. God incarnate in the flesh died for me, the believer says. In my place. He's the only one who's the perfect spotless lamb of God. Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 33.29. It says, Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord? Who's like unto us? Who's saved by the Lord? We don't deserve this mercy. We don't get what we deserve. But we're so joyful, aren't we, that the Lord saved us. Oh my. Happy art thou, O Israel. Who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord? Now, now catch that right there. People saved by the Lord. Not saved by ourselves. Not saved by anything we say or do. Saved by the Lord. Saved by the Lord of glory, beloved. The shield of thy help. That's what he is to us. And who is the sword of thy excellency? And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee. And thou shalt tread upon their high places. Deuteronomy 33, 29. What a beautiful verse. O people saved by the Lord. I get the privilege of proclaiming the gospel to 
people saved by the Lord. And I'm, a, I'm also that number, so I get the privilege of studying about a people saved by the Lord. Isn't it glorious? All by Him. All by His work. And why? Because it pleased Him to do so. Oh, my. Amazing grace. Truly, truly amazing, amazing grace. And the Scripture brings forth there in Deuteronomy that God's people are happy people. Well, because we know the Lord is the cause of our salvation. We know He's our only salvation. And it brings us great joy knowing that God purposed our salvation in Christ. Knowing that God who purposed that salvation executed our salvation in Christ dying on the cross for us. And knowing that God the Holy Spirit is the one who applies the salvation that we have in Christ. Therefore, we're happy, aren't we? We're joyous for what our great God has done for us. And by the words, shield and sword is meant a perfect defense over there in, over there in Deuteronomy 33, 29. He's the shield of thy help and, and the sword of thy excellency. That means... That, that means perfect defense, beloved. And where's that found for the believer? Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Could you imagine if the Lord left us to our enemies? Could you imagine if the Lord just left us alone? Boy, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? But he doesn't do that. He's our shield. He's our protector, beloved. And he's ever with his people. Ever with his people. And we are upheld by him. Never forget that. You're upheld by him. You're kept by him. My. And he is the, think of this, he's the shield which saves us from our sin and all the damning power of it. It is he who was made a curse for us when he died upon the cross. It is he who satisfied the law of God in our place. It is he who endured the wrath of God as our substitute. He's our shield, beloved. And therefore, we stand behind the shield. We stand just like a soldier in a battle would stand behind that shield. And that shield would protect us. We stand behind that shield, don't we, beloved? And that's Christ. That's Christ. Protected by that shield, which is Christ. We are upheld by God's hand. Note note how verse 36 closes. And thy gentleness hath made me great. Now Lang brings forth that the, the, this means the bowing of oneself. And how, how this speaks, beloved, of the condescension of Christ. Our Lord was meek and lowly. And what condescension is seen when our Savior came from glory to this world to die in our place. And remember, turn if you would to Colossians chapter 1. Remember this. We are qualified for heaven. How? In Christ. Colossians chapter 1 brings this forth very clearly. Because of the condescension of Christ, according to God's providential goodness, we've been made by the power of God, a child of God, an heir of God, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Colossians chapter 1 giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, verse 12, which has made us meet. You know what that Greek word there means? It means qualified, to make sufficient, to render fit. Now, in our natural state, we are not fit to be in God's presence, are we? Because we're sinners. From the top of our head, the scripture says, to the bottom of our feet. So we are not in our natural state fit to be in the presence of God. But look what the scripture says. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet, qualified, or to make sufficient, or to render fit, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us. Who Who did this? God did this. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Praise be to God. It's all because of God. 
It's all what Christ has done. All what He's done. John Gill brings forth that when it says, Thy gentleness hath made me great, he says, The words may be rendered, Thy humility hath made me great. And again, if we keep our eyes to Christ and His condescension of becoming a man and, and dying on the cross for us, that was a lowest state of His humiliation. But now where is He? He is made great. He's exalted in glory, beloved, at the right hand of the Father. Thy gentleness hath made me great. That speaks of Christ. He endured great sufferings and then entered into glory, beloved. He endured great sufferings and then entered into glory. And it can be said of him, thy gentleness hath made me great. Now let's read verses 37 to 39, and we'll see David preserved from his enemies. Thou hast enlarged my steps unto me, so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and destroyed them, and turned not again until I had consumed them. And I have consumed them and wounded them, that they could not arise, yea, they are fallen under my feet. Note that our great God keeps his people. He does not let us utterly fall away. We may stumble, but our Lord upholds us, and he destroys our enemies. And look at these verses also as an eye to Christ. He destroyed all our enemies. He conquered all his enemies. Scripture says he triumphed over princes and principalities. He made an open show of them at the cross. And all who have come against Christ, all who have come against our great God, have perished. They've all perished. They all perish. They've been destroyed. By he who is our shield, by he who is our defender, by he who is the very one who preserves us in all circumstances, beloved. And what's our response? Praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for allowing us to gather together and allowing us to read thy word and forgiving us an interest in the things of you, Lord Jesus. My, truly thy grace is amazing. Truly we who are your people have received mercy. And we know that truly you are the one true God. All other gods are false gods, refuge of lies. And we thank you, Lord, that you you have caused us to put our hope and trust in thee and thee alone. You've granted us the gift of faith and repentance. We're born again by thy Holy Spirit. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.